Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, a little late start here. It's uh, 12.08. I mean, you know. The Hawks were on. I know, but we still have three more great hours here of Classic Radio and this Carl and Lisa. So That's it's still a true. great morning here. We also have Steve Darnell is here. Hey, Steve. How are hey, you? Steve. Hi, Lisa. Get a little closer to that mic there, buddy. Okay. Don't be afraid. Thank Step you. right Get up to the microphone. I, I, I'm so nervous being Don't on the be radio shy. like this. <laughs> Try not to be nervous. <laughs> this you is your two. first How time you? on the radio? Um, no, uh, once I, I spoke at a PA at a grocery store. Oh, uh, was there feedback? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot of, uh, we're going to talk to Steve in just a bit, but we do have classic radio shows for you, Lisa. In fact, they're all Christmas shows. We will start things off in just a few minutes with... My personal oh, favorite, yeah. my all-time favorite, which is my favorite husband. Yeah, Lucille so Ball. it's George's Christmas present. It is, from 1949, and then an hour-long... Lux Radio Theater presentation of Miracle on 34th. <laughs> what is it? What did I say? It's hard for you to say that word. Miracle <laughs> on 34th Street with Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne. An hour long Lux Radio Theater. So, what a great Christmas present that will be. And yep. Christmas is right around the corner. And you know what, Lisa? What, Carl? I got the call. You know when you get the call when you're in the minor leagues, right? Playing baseball in the minor leagues, and you get the call. I think I got that call too. Just so we're clear, <laughs> you get the call and they're like, "We're we're bringing you up, kid. We're going to have you play in the major leagues." They yep. called me us. and asked us. me, us. me, us. No, that's if I not wanted correct. to do us. a special Christmas show on Christmas night. Right? They called and asked us if we'd mm-hmm. like to do that. Unfortunately, I can't be here because because I'll be in Florida. And I thought, well, maybe they won't even want Carl without me. But, but you know, they succumbed and they're like, well. Mm, I guess. I yeah. guess. So I will be here it's on Christmas without night. Without me. It won't be great, but it'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. If you want to mark this down, folks, this Christmas, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. until 11 p.m., I will be playing three Christmas shows for you. Bing Crosby on the Philco Radio Time Christmas show, the Life of Riley Christmas show, and then a very heartwarming episode of Dragnet Christmas show with Jack Webb. And I'll be with you in spirit. I will be listening from Sarasota, Florida. Wow. Must yep. be nice. I will be here with you, sort of. Must you know? be nice. I'll be right. listening from Chicago. <laughs> you know what? The weather's Thank going to you. be nice here, I know, so there's no, com- no complaints. Here. It is. It is. So Steve Darnall, he has his own radio show on WDCB 90.9 FM, Saturday uh, afternoons, 1 until 5. And your show, Those Were the Days, prior to you, Chuck Shaden was the host, mm-hmm. and it has been on the air 50 years? Yes, yes. 50, 50 years, years come Lisa. next May, yeah. And it's been, you've been on almost 50 years, too. <laughs> I am. I started when I was five and a half. Good. You've learned a few things, yeah, obviously. I think my Mike technique at that age was was poor. It's probably better than it's it is tonight. Steve, also I don't I don't as much as I did then, but and that's good. Just yeah. every now and then. Just every now and then. <laughs> so Steve publishes 
the Nostalgia Digest. And I have been a it's fan. A, it's a great magazine. Of the Nostalgia Thanks. Digest for my whole life. I have really and truly. I have been a subscriber to the Nostalgia Digest from basically day one. Mm-hmm. That when it you were was, born. When it was yeah. And that's been around for 40-plus yeah. for years. 40-plus yeah. years. Now, this is not just, uh, I mean, this is a this is a first-class production, the Thank Nostalgia you. Digest. And it uh, has our schedule. It has the WGN Radio Theater schedule printed mm-hmm. in it. A quarter, in, there's four issues a year, so you get a whole quarter of the year's schedule in there. It also has Steve's schedule for Those Were the Days, but it's chock full of articles and fun stuff about what we love, the golden age of radio, movies, and TV. Mm-hmm. So tell everyone about Nostalgia Digest and the amazing offer you're going to make to our yes, listeners. I've, absolutely, because if you'd let him talk, he would do that. so much. He's I'm setting it up. Passionate. No, you've said great things about the Digest, and I appreciate that very much. It is a quarterly magazine. Uh, the new winter issue has a cover story about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Speaking of my favorite husband, there you go. Uh, articles about Hedy Lamarr and Eddie Rockchester. Sure, it wasn't Headley. Hedy. Hedy. No, Hedley, I'm talking about from uh, from Blazing Saddles. Saddles. Um, No, although that gets referenced in here. Ah. Uh, Also, Eddie Rochester Anderson and George Raft and George Pal, the man who produced the movie version of The War of the Worlds. Oh, right. Um, Yeah, we're very, very fortunate to have a a 64-page quarterly that allows us to explore all these different aspects of the golden age of entertainment. We have some very talented writers. And, yes, because it's never too late... To make a great Christmas gift idea offer, uh, here is, here's what, what we've all worked out. By we, I mean uh, Carl and Lisa and myself. Uh, if you Lisa purchase, didn't have much to do with it. I had everything to do with she it, didn't but have okay. Very much to do with She's it. right here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're just being nice. I am. Okay. <laughs> This was uh, me and some, Steve some people conspired. Are nice and some Steve and I conspired not. on this. Yes, but, but you had to get my approval with it. Is that if you buy a two-year subscription to Nostalgia Digest, right? It's thirty dollars. You get eight issues sent to your door, right? But if when you place the order for a two-year subscription, you mention WGN, we will throw world's in, greatest newspaper. That's right. right, absolutely free. You will also receive a set of CDs containing Carl Amari's Twilight Zone radio shows. Right. You're welcome. That was that's my brilliant idea. Twenty-seven ninety-nine value. And why or 20, not? What is it, twenty-seven ninety-nine? Basically, you, you, you made you know up the what? numbers. You, you, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um, you know what? It turns out to be free. Once you get the CDs, it all sort of is a wash. Yes, it's it's remarkable. I mean, it's a, it's a very generous offer Carl made. Obviously, yes, if you're looking for a last-minute gift for the nostalgia fan who has everything, you would probably love to get a two-year subscription to Nostalgia Digest. Uh, and to mention WGN, when you order the two-year subscription, you get the Twilight Zone CD set with your first issue. Now, how do they do it? They can go to our website, NostalgiaDigest.com, and place the order there. Uh, they can also call us at 773-769-6575. I'll repeat that. For those of you writing down furiously, it's 773-769-6575. Obviously, yes, if you call uh, or go online tonight or tomorrow, we'll get the uh, first issue and the CD set out on Monday. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't, it may not get there in time for Christmas, but it'll be awfully close. And 
like I say, even if it's a gift for you, for yourself, yeah, uh, you get the CD set with a two-year subscription and mentioning WGN in the process. I'm trying to see who's on the cover there, oh, but you're this flipping is, it around. I'm sorry, it's Lucille Ball, oh, Lucy and Desi. Oh, are, and in wow. Fact, it's not just Lucy and Desi, but they're ringing in the new year. Yes, oh, they wow. are. With their party hats now, and everything. Now, yes. now, I did say some nice stuff about the guide and everything yes. er, earlier, and I meant every minute, uh, every moment of it, Thank and I, every word I said. And I'll tell you this, I would not want to have you on as much as I have if I didn't love the Digest. Well, I want you. our listeners to know about the Digest because it's a quality production and you're kind enough to print our schedule in there so people know what we're playing and they'll also know what you're going to be playing on the air. Mm-hmm. But this is a quality quality uh, digest. Really, it is. Well, well thank you. You know what? Not only do we appreciate your nostalgia digest, but we kind of sort of like you, too. Yeah, oh, we like very it. sweet. Just you're too that. tall, though. Much too tall. <laughs> Next Tell to Carl. You need to do something about that. Tell me about Stop it. Stop you know eating what, Carl, vitamins or something. You guys should like even each other out a little bit. We probably average out to a perfectly, per- perfectly normal height. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, it's uh, you. Did you eat your green beans, or what's the deal? Did you eat a lot of green beans as a kid? Um, I actually, it's a funny thing. I I I had to stop. I became a vegetarian around the age of eighteen because um, the red meat had caused me to shoot up in height to six foot five. Yeah. So I just had to put a lid on it, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, no more uh, of the. uh, I'm a vegetarian, but I don't know that that has anything to do with how tall you are. No, it was more about stopping the consumption of the the growth hormones in the beef. Yes. But anyway, all right, that is neither here nor there. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Not only is the digest great, but you're awfully tall. Yes, I am. And he's got a great radio show as well. And we appreciate having you here. And you too. And I listen to it all the time. You know, it's so nice that that you guys are here sharing these sounds from the golden age of radio just as we're doing. It's a real treat. Thank Thank you you very much, It's a treat to have you here. Can we mention the website again? Yes. Yes. Go right ahead. NostalgiaDigest.com. Yep, there it is. subscription order. Mention WGN. We'll send you the Twilight Zone CDs absolutely free. You got it. All right, Steve. Great seeing you, buddy. Thank you, Merry Christmas to you, Merry Christmas, you old building and loan. All right. <laughs> we'll be back with uh, My Favorite Husband after these words. All right, Lisa, we are going to start out with My Favorite Husband, but I uh, want to remind our listeners that we have a text in line 312-981-7200. We absolutely love getting your texts. Yes, I'm trying to respond. There's so many texts coming in. Um, just for everybody, um, I, I'm getting to you, and we're so happy to really be communicating throughout the show. Also, next hour at 1 o'clock, 1.05, we will be playing the game Guess That Song, right. and we will be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. And it so will be a disco song. It's going to be disco, so stay oh. tuned for a disco and a Lou Malnati's gift card. Staying alive. It's not going uh, to be the Bee Gees. Uh, well, it could be the Bee Gees, uh, but... Staying alive. Hey, you know what? You just never know what it's going to be. All right. Well, uh, let's listen to Lucille Ball and Richard Denning situation comedy series called My Favorite Husband that premiered in 1948. They played Liz and George Cooper, a married couple who lived together and liked it. It was sponsored by Jello. George was a banker, and Liz was his happily married housewife. Gail Gordon played George's boss, Rudolph Atterbury, and B. Benaderet was Atterbury's wife. And uh, Ball refused to transition the show to TV without Desi. Uh, that's she was right. like, "Look." I'll do it on TV, she, but it's got. She was smart. She and knew they were something. like, no, you can't. So guess what? She reworked it into I Love Lucy and, um, 
the rest is history. So we have a Christmas show called George's Christmas Present from December 16th, 1949. Lucille Ball, Richard Denning. We're going to play this uninterrupted. Here is My Favorite Husband. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper, two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers, it's morning, and there are seven shopping days left until Christmas. George is eating breakfast, and Liz is in the kitchen with Katie, the maid. Katie. Yes, Mrs. Cooper. Have you any idea what George is going to give me for Christmas? Has he said anything? Not a thing. Oh, darn. I've got to find out. Why? Well, I'm knitting him a sweater, and and if he's giving me something wonderful, maybe a measly sweater isn't enough to give him. Oh. On the other hand, if, if he's giving me some dinky little thing... Why should I knock myself out knitting him a beautiful sweater? Hi, <laughs> Mrs. Cooper. Oh, Katie, you don't think I'm serious. It's the thought behind a gift that counts. It doesn't make any difference to me what kind of a fur coat George gives me. <laughs> well, I wish I could help you. Well, don't worry. I'll find out before he leaves that breakfast table. Here, give me the coffee. I'll take it in. Ooh, jingle bells, jingle bells, dee dee dee. Good morning, dear. Good morning, Katie. What? Oh, oh, I was reading. Uh, good morning, Liz, darling. Mm, how's my little husband this morning? Hmm? Uh, fine, thanks. Well, is there anything I can do for my sweet little ever-loving baby boy? Yes. Hmm? What? Stop trying to find out what I'm giving him for Christmas. <laughs> oh, you. Come on, George. Iris knows what she's getting. Mr. Atterbury's giving her a mink stole for Christmas. How does she know? She already picked it out and charged it to him. Well, that's a pretty good clue. Are you buying me a mink stole? If I bought you a mink, it would have to be sole. <laughs> I made a funny. But it wasn't very. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, if you won't tell me what I'm getting, at least you could tell give, sort of give me a hint. Oh, all right. It's, uh, it's big. Yes. And it's small. Huh? It also has long, shaggy hair and three wheels, takes out ink spots, and runs eight days without winding. That's what your mother gave us last Christmas. It is not. <laughs> Say, we never did find out what that was uh, for, did you, did we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, George. Tell me what I'm getting. Uh, well, I'll tell you this much, though. I've bought it, and it's in the hall closet, and I want you to stay out of there, understand? Understand. All right. Now, kiss me goodbye, honey. I'm late for the bank. Okay. Mm. <laughs> mm. Now, now hurry down to the bank. What bank? 
Uh-oh. I gave him too many volts for this early in the morning. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. Bye. Mrs. Cooper. Hmm? Mrs. Cooper. Why are you standing there staring at the hall closet? George told me my present was in the hall closet and then made me promise to leave it alone. Only a man could think of a mean thing like that. What are you going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. And then what? <laughs> Katie, you won't find me stooping to snooping. I'm sure I won't. Of course, if there happened to be something in there I needed, I'd have to look in the closet, wouldn't I? Huh? Yes, ma'am. What's in there that I might need? Well, there's your um, umbrella, but the sun is shining. Oh, and... how do you like that, Katie? Suddenly it looks like rain. <laughs> it has seemed to cloud up a little, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, there's my umbrella in back of this big Christmas box. Ooh, look, there's a little tear in the paper. Where? There. Oh, clumsy me. Well, now it's open. I guess there's no use turning back. Oh, I'm so excited, Katie. I'll bet it's a dress I was hinting about from Miller's department store. It's empty. There's nothing in this box. Oh, yes, there is at the bottom. It's a car. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's see what it says. Well, I like that. What's it say? It says, I thought I told you to stay out of here, nosy. <laughs> Well, that settles it. He's going to get a sweater and like it. Pearl one, knit two. Pearl one, knit two. Oops! I dropped a stitch. Oh, dear. Well, I can save it if I just put my needle through this. Oops! There goes another. Oh, I guess I should have pulled this through. Oops! Oh, well, I was going to do that row over anyway. Darn it, this is slow work. Are you having trouble, Mrs. Cooper? Oh, I'm having an awful time with this sweater I'm knitting for George. Is that a sweater? Well, what does it look like? That's a very good question. <laughs> oh, I know it's a mess, Katie, and I can't understand it. I followed the directions exactly. Let's see. What's this thing sticking up here? Looks like a sock. It is. It is? Yes. The direction said, pearl three inches and then knit a foot. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Cooper, it didn't mean that. I thought it seemed odd. I, I thought maybe I was knitting socks to match the sweater and I could cut them loose later. <laughs> I see. Well, the rest of it is... Wait a minute, what's this hole for? That's the neck. Oh. Then what's this hole next to it for? <laughs> oh, how do you like that? I left two openings for his head. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, you'd better rip it out and start over. No, it's a shame to waste all that work. I ought to give it to someone. Do you know anyone with two heads, Katie? <laughs> Not offhand. Oh, wait, I know. I'll knit a belt on the other end of it, and he can use it for pants. <laughs> no? No. Oh, I'm not good for anything. I wish I could knit like George's mother can. She doesn't even look at it, and it comes out just perfectly. Oh, that reminds me, Mrs. Cooper. Uh, Mr. Cooper's mother called before and said she was coming over this morning. Oh, Keen. 
I wonder what Nosy Rosie wants. She didn't say. Maybe she's just coming over to visit. Ha! Mother Cooper never comes over just to visit. She comes over to see what I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing, what I'm not doing that I should be doing, what I'm doing that if she were doing it, she'd do it a lot better. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Cooper isn't that bad. Let's face it, Katie. She only lives to see how badly I keep house. An unmade bed is like a transfusion to her. Gives her strength to run her finger along a table and see if there's any dust on it. Well, she won't find any dust in this house. Oh, you dreamer. <laughs> no, you can't win, Katie. Sometimes I think she's got dirt tattooed on the end of her finger. <laughs> oh, why did she ever move to town? I don't know. But brooding about it isn't going to get this sweater finished. I guess I'll have to rip most of it out. You'll never finish it by Christmas. Well, George will understand. I'll give him, get, give him what I have done and tell him I'll finish it later. Yes, ma'am. Yoo-hoo! Anybody home? There she blows. <laughs> Mr. Cooper's mother. Who else walks in without ringing the bell? She knows if she rang it, I'd pretend not to be home the old... Uh, in here, mother! <laughs> I'll sneak upstairs, make the beds in case she goes up there. Oh! There you are, Elizabeth. How are you, dear? Fine, Mother Cooper. How are you? Well, here's a sight I never thought I'd see. Elizabeth Cooper dusting. <laughs> I'm not dusting. Oh, then why are you holding that dirty old dust rag? <laughs> That's a sweater I'm knitting. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, dear. I didn't look very closely. Whose dog is it for? <laughs> Yours. <laughs> huh? It happens to be for George. For George? Oh, no! Oh, I could die! Yes, but you won't. <laughs> Sorry, Elizabeth. I've hurt your feelings. How could you tell? Uh, come on in, Mother. Pull up a dust ball and sit down. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, I came over to talk to you about something. Yes? You remember you invited me to spend Christmas with you? Well, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Oh? Aunt Bessie wrote and told me she's going to be all alone for Christmas. So I think I should go there and spend it with her, don't you? Yes. What was the bad news? <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you mean Well, gee, I don't know It means quite a change in our plan Oh, well, then I... But uh, anything for dear old Aunt Bessie <laughs> Yes, the poor soul was wondering if you and George would mind giving me up just this one Christmas Only one, huh? <laughs> well, I'll force myself uh, go to poor old Aunt Bessie. Oh, well, then it's all settled. I'll go right home and write Aunt Bessie. Aunt Elizabeth. Yes? If I may make a suggestion, dear, I wouldn't bother finishing that sweater if I were you. Oh, you wouldn't? Oh, now, please, Elizabeth. It's no disgrace not to be able to knit. You have other talents. I have? You must have. <laughs> I mean, uh, some wives can knit, and some wives can cook, and some are beautiful, and some are intelligent, and you're, uh, uh, you're, uh, uh, well, I have to run along, dear. 
Are you driving, or shall I call the Yellow Broomstick Company? (laughs) Oh, my Elizabeth, you are so sensitive. Now, if I've said anything, it's just for your own good. My goodness, if I can't make a suggestion, then what am I here for? Oh, you're beginning to wonder, too. (laughs) I'm only trying to help you, dear. I don't want you to be embarrassed. You see, I knitted George a beautiful cashmere sweater. Oh, you did? Yes, and I don't want you to suffer through any comparisons. Well, goodbye, dear. What are you running your finger around the table for? Forget where you parked your gum? (laughs) Would you look at my finger? It's just black with dust. Well, there's only one thing for you to do. Talk to Katie? No, wash your hands. (laughs) That doesn't make your house any cleaner, dear. Oh. Goodbye. Don't bother coming to the door. Oh, Katie. What's the matter, Mrs. Cooper? She's knitted George a sweater for Christmas. No. Yes, so I have to finish mine, and it has to be better than hers. Give me that knitting. Knit one, purl two. Knit one, purl two. Knit one, purl two. Oops! It's dollars to a dish of jello that Liz will have a tough time getting out of that spot. But look, here's a holiday treat for your family they sure won't want to exchange. It's Christmassy jellied mincemeat made with rich red cherry jello. Just prepare cherry jello as usual, and when slightly thickened, fold in one cup of moist mincemeat. Chill until firm in individual molds and garnish with rum flavored sweetened whipped cream. Good? Why, it's the zestiest holiday dessert that ever made Christmas merry. Sparkling red cherry jello, luscious with tempting mincemeat. All six delicious jello flavors fit right in the holiday mood. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. They're rich with locked in goodness, and they're bright and gay as a Christmas tree. So look for those big red letters on the box. They spell jello, and jello is a registered trademark of the General Foods Corporation. J-E-L-L-O And now, back to the Coopers. Liz is still busily working on the sweater that she has vowed to finish for George by Christmas time. Knit one, pearl two. Knit one, pearl two. Knit one, pearl. Mrs. Cooper. One, pearl two. Knit one. Are you still up, Mrs. Cooper? It's three o'clock in the morning. What day? (laughs) Oh, I can't help it, Katie. I have to finish this sweater. How's it coming? I don't know. I haven't been able to see for two hours. (laughs) It feels all right. Let me take a look. Well, you've licked the neck problem. Only one neck hole. Goody. (laughs) What's this thing? What? Oh, that's the sleeve. Oh. And what's this one? That's the other sleeve. Mrs. Cooper. Yes? What's this one? (laughs) Oh, no. Three sleeves. Katie, do you know anybody with three? No. No. Here I go again. Liz the Ripper. 
I'm losing ground, Katie. By Christmas, I'll owe the sweater three balls of yarn. More coffee, Mr. Cooper? No, thanks. I'm late now. Uh, tell good, uh, Liz goodbye for me, will you? Oh, here's Sleeping Beauty now. Morning, Mrs. Cooper. Morning, Liz. Hello. Uh, um. Open your eyes, dear. They are open. Well, maybe some food will help you. Try this. No, thank you. I don't like tomato juice. Well, that's not tomato juice. It's milk. Why is it red? <laughs> it isn't. That's the glow from your eyes. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what were you doing last night, Liz? Oh, just working in Santa's sweatshop. Hmm, making something for me? No. Oh, come on, what is it? Well, give me a hint. Now look who wants a hint. All right, I'll give you the same kind you gave me. It's got three arms, two necks, and a foot sticking out of its back. Liz, you're knitting me a sweater. What? Now, that was a pretty wild guess, wasn't it? Imagine you knitting a sweater. <laughs> Katie, hand me a knife and tell me where he is. Yeah, well, I've got to run. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye. <laughs> I thought he knew for a minute. Oh, he's so smart. That's just another reason why I have to finish the sweater. Will you get me my knitting, Katie? It's in the hall closet. All right, but I think you should give your eyes a rest. I can't help it. I've got to finish. Mrs. Cooper, did you rewrap that box and put it back here in the closet? No, why? Well, there's another one here. Let's see. Oh, how do you like that? I didn't even see it. That must be my present. Open it, Katie. Me? Yes, then when George asks me if I open it, I won't be lying when I say no. <laughs> All the things I do. <gasps> oh, it's from Miller's. I, I hope it's... It is, Katie. It's the dress... But it's red. Bright red. Oh, that man. What was he thinking about? I can't wear red with my hair. If I put that dress on, I'd look like an ungantine ad. <laughs> well, you can get it exchanged for another one after Christmas. No, I can't. They only had one green one my size. Katie, I'm going down and exchange it right now. But what will Mr. Cooper say when you open the box on Christmas and the dress is green? Uh, I'll tell him the color ran. So long, Katie. <laughs> Knit one, pearl two, knit one, pearl... Yes, ma'am, your name. Uh, just a minute till I finish this row. Knit one, pearl two, knit one. There. And when you get that sweater finished, are you going to try to exchange it? No. No, I'd like to exchange a Christmas present. Yeah, I beg your pardon? I'd like to exchange a Christmas present. Aren't you a little late for last year? It's this year's Christmas present. Oh, well, in that case, oh, what day is this? The 20th. Uh, for a minute, I thought I'd overslept. <laughs> I uh, just happened to receive this present a little early. Ooh, we've been snoopy, haven't we? <laughs> Never mind. I'd like to exchange this for a dress that's the right color for my hair. Well, I don't think we have a dress that shade. Why don't you take a black one and give it a henna rinse? 
Oh, I'll bet you're a scream when you get out your chicken inspector badge. <laughs> Will you exchange this dress or not? Well, I'll exchange it on one condition, that you return my telephone cord. Now, what would I be doing with your telephone cord? Well, I don't know, but you've got it knitted into your sweater. Oh! <laughs> Did they exchange it? Yes, I got the most beautiful Kelly green dress you've ever seen. Good. I'll get it. Hello. Hello, Liz. I just talked to Mother, and she's leaving a day earlier than she planned. Oh, how wonderful. For Aunt Bessie. I'm going to bring her by the house uh, to pick up her Christmas presents. You'd better have it ready. Okay, where is it? I put it in the hall closet. (laughs) You did what? I put it in the hall closet. It's a big box from Miller's. Miller's? Yeah, yeah. we'll be there in about an hour, honey. Bye. Well, wait a minute, George. Uh, oh, Katie, I exchanged the wrong present. That dress was for Mother Cooper. No. Yes, and they'll be here in an hour. I'll have to rush down and exchange it again. Wait a minute. Why not let her take the new one? Oh, no, she can't stand green. It clashes with her complexion. <laughs> I'll see you in an hour, I hope. Uh, uh, pardon me. Uh, yes, madam. What can I do for you? Uh, I'd like to exchange something, please. Well, what goody have we poked our nose into this time? Now, look, I'm in a hurry and I want to exchange this dress. Didn't you just exchange a red dress exactly like this? Yes, I'd like the red one back in exchange for this green one. Hey, don't tell me. I know you've rented yourself out as a stop signal. <laughs> Please, I don't have time to explain. Uh, Won't it still clash with your hair? No. Oh, I get it. You're going to dye your hair green. No! You're going to shave your head. All right, I'm going to shave my head and paint it green. Now, may I have my exchange slip? It's certainly here. And this. What? Will you bring your head in and let me see it? I made it. Did you get the red dress back? It's safe in this box. Are they here yet, Katie? Yes. Mr. Cooper and his mother just came in the front door. I told them you were upstairs. Thanks. And Mrs. Cooper, I worked on the sweater while you were gone. There's only one row left to do. Oh, Katie. I put it back in the desk drawer. Oh, you're a darling. I better get in there and give Mother Cooper her present. (laughs) Hello, Mother Cooper. Elizabeth. Hi, Liz. Hi, honey. Well, Mother, here's your present. Oh, thank you, dear. Oh, uh, wait a minute, Liz. You've made a mistake. I've what? Oh, that's not Mother's present. It isn't? No, that's yours. No, 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 no. Well, it's nothing to get excited about. No? I'll get Mother's present. It's up on the shelf in the closet. What are you looking so glum about, dear? It's Christmas time. Be gay and happy. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Oh, go jingle your own bells. How's your sweater coming, dear? Or did you give it up? (laughs) No, I didn't give it up. (laughs) It's right here in the desk drawer. Would you care to see it? Yes. Right here. You... Oh, you bought this. No, I didn't. It isn't even finished yet, see? 
Your cab is here, Mother. Come on. Uh, coming, baby. Um, Elizabeth, let me see how you finished that neck. Ah, oh, yes. Wonderful. Well, let's go. You just have time to get to the station. Here's your present. Oh, thank you both, you dear children. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you after the holidays. Goodbye, Mother. Oh. What's the matter? Well, there's something cutting my ankle. Huh. It's a piece of yarn. Yarn? Yeah. Look, it goes all the way down the stairs and along the walk and into the cab with Mother. Oh, put your foot on it, George. Break it, quick. Oh, there it broke. I never should have let her near it. I wonder where it comes from. Look, it goes right in the door and along the hall and... into the living room and across the carpet and up on the desk and all. Liz, you are knitting me a sweater. And isn't it wonderful? You've got two inches finished already. Yes, Lucille, where to tonight? Come, Robert, we're going back, back, back to the dawn of civilization, the days of the caveman. Of course, no one will understand caveman language, so I will translate. Wilbur, a little prehistoric music. Translation. Get up, Neanderthal. Civilization just dawned. Translation. You don't love me, Neanderthal. You haven't hit me on the head with a club lately. Huh? Oh, sorry. I want Jello with its six delicious flavors: ugly, bugly, babby, oing, boing, and lime. Translation: strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and fluke. Jello make you think of the real ripe. Ogobug itself. Translation, fruit. So look for big red letters on the box. They spell jello, and jello spells a treat. Oh, oh. Because the. <laughs> because the flavor is locked in and can't get out till your first delectable spoonful. Translation, yum, yum, yum. Good night, Neanderthal. <laughs> You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rory. Tonight's program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie the Maid was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in the Columbia picture, Miss Grant Takes Richmond. And be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week. Presented by... J-E-L-L.
Listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week. Bottom on speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's My Favorite Husband, December 16, 1949, the Christmas show of that year, called George's Christmas Present, Lucille Ball and Richard Denning, starring Sword on CBS, sponsored by J-E-L-L-O. Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Motorists, this holiday season, please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide on all major holidays, including Christmas and New Year's. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AAIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For more information, visit www.aaim1.org. All right. You know what, Lisa? What, Carl? In the next hour, oh, yeah. we are going to play the next Lux Radio. Two hours, yes, actually. but we're going to start it in our next hour. Yep. The Lux Radio Theater. It's an hour long broadcast of Miracle on 34th Street with the original film stars Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne. Now, it is an hour long show, so that means we're going to play the first half of it uninterrupted in our next hour, and then the concluding half hour in our fifth hour. And there's a wonderful poster and fun fact for it that I put on our Facebook page just um, yesterday, I think, and it's on the WGN Radio Facebook page as well, so you can check that out. Um, it's really a nice color poster, and it's 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 really nice. It's got an interesting fun fact. Yeah, I was going to say, the fun fact is really interesting. It's a, it's a good one, finally, So check Carl. it out. I know. Well, <laughs> that's why I get paid the big bucks. I know, Lisa. I know. Uh, all right, so uh, that's in our next next hour so stay with us right here on wgn because we'll be right back all right lisa hour four of the wgn radio theater will be here till three o'clock in the morning and we're normally here saturday nights 10 p.m until 3 a.m sunday morning but uh, next week we will be here at that time we were a little late getting started tonight because of hawks don't forget, folks, I will be here, Lisa's in Florida, but I will be here this Wednesday night, Christmas, from 8 o'clock until 11 p.m., playing some Christmas shows for you on Christmas. Right, and I'll be listening from Florida and uh, enjoying one week off, but I'll be back next week. Yeah, and next week, uh, Lisa will not be here. I will have a special co-host, not going to say who it is, very famous person, known for his or her voice. That's all I'm going to say. And other things. This person's very popular, especially in Chicago. Yeah, I so mean, he or she will be good. I mean, not as good as I am, but, you know, he or she will be... Oh, it's all relative. Sure, they'll be fine. It's all relative. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Although, this person is not a relative of mine. No. No. He or she is not. It isn't. <laughs> 
Oh, I don't don't think I have my rim shot. There, I did it for you. Wait a minute. Do I have my rim shot? He's a little slow. There we go. All right. I feel much better now. I do, too. So we're going to play our game. Yes, it's time to play Guess That Song. All right. We are going to be doing a little disco this weekend and Ah. in the future coming weekends because you have asked for disco. You know what? I couldn't take any more of the wrath of Carl not knowing my 1960s songs. So I decided to go in his genre. What year? Which is disco. There's no year. It's disco. Disco is, I mean, it could have been the 70s or 80s, depending on the song. So just disco across the board. Not a particular year. We are going to be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. And I don't think you're going to have any trouble with these disco songs. Let's go with caller number six. You can call right Right now, 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Guess that song. We have Nina on the phone to play the game with us this morning. Hi, Nina. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. You ready for a little disco this morning? Sure. Okay, terrific. I think you guys are going to be great. We're going to play a couple seconds of our first song right now. All right. Just about I know it. I know it. Oh, just give Nina a chance. I know it. All right, Carl knows it. If you didn't know Nina, Carl's got this one. Nina, do you know what this is? No. Oh, it was a, it's a tough clip right there because it didn't it. have the words. I All know right, it. speak up. It's your turn. Oh, I forgot. No, I, I know it. <laughs> it's a raining man. Oh, Hallelujah. That's right. But let's see the real version. <laughs> You're right. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. This is a great tune. This is from 1983, which is kind of toward the end of the disco era. This was a huge hit for the Weather Girls. Had you heard the group? Well, it was raining, so it was Well, get this. Who followed up with another rain-themed song? Do you know what their second hit was? It's Raining Women? No. That's what... No. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would have been funny. Because I'd rather be in that storm. Um, their next rain-themed song was I'm Gonna Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair. <laughs> and then uh, they never had another Top 40 hit. Oh, okay. That was the Weather two Girls. Two-time uh, wonder. That's right, a two-time wonder. All right, wonder. Nina. All right, here we go. Here's our second song. Oh, yeah. Come on. Do you know, know that one, Nina? Sure she does. Go away, Carl. <laughs> Nina, help me. Get down tonight. There we go. Get down yeah, tonight. Yeah, Nina. It is. Let's hear it. Get down tonight. This is a great tune. Thank you, Carl. I might dance. I'd like to see you. I might. It reminds me of Elaine, you know, from Seinfeld. Get down tonight. So this is Casey and the Sunshine Band from Mm -hmm. 1975, right in the heart of the disco era. This was the best era of music. All right, we're going to continue opinion. with some disco I, theme. I mean, we should just do disco every week. We're not week. just every week. We're going to run you out know, of songs. What do you think? Disco every week? No. <laughs> <laughs> but here, listen to this. Now, this is this is this is helpful. The song was originally titled "What You Want Is What You Get." Mm-hmm. That was before Casey changed the title, of course, to "Get Down Tonight." Mm. What do you like better? 
I like them both. You like them both. <laughs> Nina, you did a great job. I'm glad you knew the song. Congratulations. And you have won a Lumel Nadi's gift certificate for $25. Lumel Nadi's is home of Chicago's very best deep dish pizza. Find one of their 40 plus Chicagoland locations. Or, of course, you can order online at lumelnadi's.com. Thank you for helping us in our first disco guest that song and many more to come. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. Thanks. Take care, Nina. Great job, Nina. She's a big winner. Lou Malnati's pizza coming your way. Hopefully spinach. Oh, definitely. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. I know. See, we could actually have pizza together. Do you like anything else on it? I, mean, I, I like uh, I like, like spinach and tomatoes. I like onions and green peppers. Yeah, me too. Have you ever had pizza with feta cheese on it? Mm, no. It's really good. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I don't it's think very so. good. Mm-mm. Okay. It sounds good. Yeah, it's. I'll, I'll I mean, invite Lou you Malnati's. I mean, you, they're the best. Can't go wrong. The Lou Malnati's pizza. All right. Well, our text in line 312 981 I want to remind all of our listeners about our very special website, 100. So you just type in 100 radioshows.com. That's our new website. There are seven different collections there for you. Each one of those collections has 100 radio shows, so 50 hours of material. Each one of those collections. There's a greatest shows, a comedy, a Christmas collection, which has been doing very well at Christmas time. There's a drama, there's a detective, a mystery, and a Western. Western yeah. Seven different collections, all 100 shows in each, 700 in total. They're all digitally remastered. All the links come to you instantly when you order it. Be a great gift for someone for Christmas. The links never expire. And if you go to the website, 100radioshows.com, you can see what shows are in every collection. Mm-hmm. You can actually see the 100 shows and confirm that these are shows that you'd appreciate. Yeah, they are all sound amazing, too. So go to, uh, just uh, log on to 100radioshows.com, 100radioshows.com. All right, so Lux Radio Theater, the most extravagant series of the golden age of radio, was also the longest-running series of the golden age of radio, came to the airwaves in 1934, lasted all the way to 1955. Cecil B. DeMille was the host for a lot of those years, 1936 through 1945, And it had all the greatest movie stars of the era uh, before the microphones. And on this particular night, December 20th, 1948, they did an hour-long recreation of the Christmas classic Miracle on 34th Street. And Edmund Gwen reprised his role of Chris Kringle. Maureen O'Sullivan and John Payne from the movie were there, too. So we're going to play this in two half-hour parts. It's an hour-long show, so a half-hour uninterrupted in this hour, and then a half-hour uninterrupted in our next hour. So let's go back to 1948 for Miracle on 34th Street on the Lux Radio Theater. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen in Miracle on 34th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Our Christmas present to you is the new Christmas classic of our time, 
Miracle on 34th Street. It's wrapped in a gay covering of laughter, tied with a bright ribbon of good humor, and decorated with the three sparkling stars of the 20th Century Fox picture. Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen. This is a wonderful story for the whole family. And perhaps some families may be gathered around a Christmas tree as they listen. Others will be putting up this happy sign of the season in a few days with lights and ornaments and the shining snow that can be made with Lux Flakes. Later, we'll tell you how to do this trick with Lux. But right now, it's curtain time for the play that proves there's a Santa Claus. Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen in his Academy Award-winning performance as Chris Kingle. It's Thanksgiving Day in New York City. On a broad avenue adjoining Central Park, an annual event is being joyfully awaited. The spectacular parade presented by Macy's Department Store to herald in the Christmas season. Away from the crowd are two of Macy's public relations experts. He's simply wonderful, Mrs. Walker. Just look at him on that float. The most realistic Santa Claus we've ever had. Why, he didn't even need any padding, did he? Padding? Why, didn't you notice his tummy? So round, so firm, so fully packed. Well, now that everything's under control, where on earth did you find him? I, I don't know. I, I just turned around and there he was. And to think that the man whose place he took was intoxicated. With a breath that would knock over a reindeer. Oh, just think if Mr. Macy had seen him. What if Mr. Gimble had seen him? Competition between our stores is tough enough. <laughs> well, the parade's starting. Let's stand at the curb. Not I, Mr. Shellhammer. I'm going home to relax. Anyway, I can see it from there. I live just around the corner. Oh, so you do. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Mrs. Walker. And congratulations on finding the best Santa Claus in Macy's history. Certainly is a wonderful parade, Susan. Just look at that clown. Gosh, what a giant. Giant, Mr. Gailey? There are no such things as giants. Well, not now, maybe, but in olden days, there's... Really, Mr. Gailey? And you're a liar. Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? You know, Jack and the Beanstalk? Everybody knows that's a fairy tale. And I agree with my mother. Fairy tales are silly. Come in. Hello, Mother. I'm watching the parade. Mr. Gailey invited me. Hello, darling. Susie's told me quite a lot about you, Mrs. Walker. She told me quite a lot about you, too, the man in the front apartment. <laughs> well, this is all part of a plot, Mrs. Walker. I'm very fond of Susie, but I, I also wanted to meet you. At least you're frank. There goes Santa Claus! Oh, don't even mention the name. Why not, Mother? Well, that Santa Claus you see is a last-minute substitute. But why? Oh, Remember the way the janitor was last New Year's? Oh, my. Tight as an owl. I, um, I see Susan doesn't believe in Santa Claus either. That's right. She never has. Well, that's the end of the parade. Mother, I've been thinking. It's Thanksgiving, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Well, I... Oh, uh, <laughs> please don't bother. I'll, 
I'll just have a sandwich or something. But we have such a big turkey. Please, Mother, please. Well, well, I... Did I ask for all right, Mr. Gailey? Susie, shh. <laughs> you asked fine, Susan. Dinner's at three, Mr. Gailey. Hello, Mrs. Walker. Yes, Mr. Shellhammer. Your maid said you were at Thanksgiving dinner, but I, I just had to tell you. Your Santa Claus was stupendous. Well, thank you. Mr. Macy himself wants him to be our toy department Santa Claus. Oh, fine. Can you hire him? Oh, oh, oh I already have. Oh, he's a born salesman. I just feel it. Good. We'll talk about it in the morning. Thanks for calling, Mr. Shellhammer. Here he is, Mr. Shellhammer. Here's Santa Claus. Oh, thank you, Alfred. Thank you. Good morning, Santa Claus. Good morning. Now, before you go to the toy department, here's a list of toys that we have to push. Uh -huh. You know, things we're overstocked on. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. And when that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. Do you understand? I certainly do. Fine, that's fine. Now, take the list and Alfred here will show you to your throne in the toy department. And don't you forget, you're working for Macy. Are you really Santa Claus? Why, of course I am. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want a fire engine with a real hose that squirts real wet water. And I won't do it in the house, I'll only do it in the backyard, I promise. And I promise you'll get your fire engine. You see, Mama, I told you you'd get me one. <laughs> That's fine. That's just dandy. You wait here, Mortimer. Mama wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Yes, madam? So what's the matter with you? No, no, no. What's the trouble? I told you before, didn't I? The kid wants a fire engine, but there isn't one to be had anywhere in town. Macy's ain't got any. Gimbal's ain't got any. Nobody's got any. My feet are killing me, and you say, okay, he gets the fire engine. But you can get those fire engines at Schoenfeld's on Lexington Avenue. Only four fifty. a wonderful bargain. Schoenfeld? Yes. Hey, I, I don't get it. Oh, I follow the toy market very closely. Macy's sending people to other stores? Yes. Are you kidding? No. The one important thing is to make the children happy. Whether Macy's or somebody else sells the toy doesn't matter. Now, don't you feel that way? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. Only I didn't know Macy's did. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, who's next, please? Right this way to see Santa Claus. <laughs> All right, little girl. You're next. Of course, little girl. You want some roller skates? Well, you shall have them, too. Mama, Mama, he's going to bring me some roller skates. And he has some fine skates here at Macy's, haven't you, Santa Claus? Oh, they're good skates, all right, but, but not quite good enough. Now, I left some really wonderful roller skates at Gimbal's. I'm sure Gimbal's have just what this good little girl wants. Mr. Shellhammer, are you Mr. Shellhammer? Gimbal's? Gimbal's? That's just what he did say, Gimbal's. Uh, the sales lady said I should speak to you. Gimbal's. I just wanted to congratulate you and Macy's on this wonderful new stunt you're pulling. Gimbal's. Imagine a big outfit like Macy's putting the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. Gimbal's. From now on, I'm going to be a regular Macy customer. All right, Mortimer, we're going. <laughs> Gimbal's. And there's the toy department over there, Mr. Gailey. You certainly know all about Macy's store, don't you, Susan? Well, that's because my mother works here. 
But I still think it's silly bringing me here to see Santa Claus. Well, I just feel that when you talk to okay, him, you might... Okay, Mr. Gailey. I'm certainly willing to try. Well, well, what a fine young lady, eh? And what's your name, little girl? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine? Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Mmm. Oh, you don't believe that, eh? Uh-uh. You see, my mother's Mrs. Walker. Oh, 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 oh. But I must say you're the best-looking Santa Claus I've ever seen. Really? Your beard, for instance. It doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. <laughs> That's because it's real. Just like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, go ahead, pull it. Well, my... My goodness, it is real. Yes, yeah. And now what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Whatever I want, my mother will get. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much. Oh. That's quite right, Susan. Oh, hello, Mother. Hello, Mr. Walker. Gailey. Hello. Um, the explanation for all this is very simple. Your maid's mother sprained her ankle. She had to go home, so she asked me to bring Susie down to you. And as long as we were here, I... I figured we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He has real whiskers, Mother. Susan, would you mind standing over there a minute? If you want me to. I, um, I shouldn't have brought Susie to see Santa, is that it? Now you're making me feel completely heartless. I'm sorry. Don't you see, I tell Susan that Santa Claus is a myth, and you show her a very convincing old man with real whiskers. Well, whom is she to believe? Yeah, that's right, isn't it? When Susan was a baby, her father and I were divorced. And ever since then, I've protected my child by teaching her realities. If you don't believe in fairy tales and fantasy, you can never be hurt or disillusioned. We were talking about Susie, Mrs. Walker. And I must ask you to let me raise her as I see fit. All right, dear. The store's going to close soon. We'll run along to my office. <laughs> Alfred said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Oh, um, oh, yes, come in. I, um, uh, I'd be grateful if you'll please tell Susan that you're not really Santa Claus, that there actually is no such person. Oh, but Mrs. Walker, not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, 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 you misunderstand. I, I want you to tell her the truth. Now, um, uh, what's your real name? Chris Kringle, and I always tell the truth. Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second grade. I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. My goodness, the second grade? Very well. I have your employment card right here. I'll look it up on that. Mm, that's a very cute dress you have on, Susan. It's for Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh. So, <coughs> you always tell the truth, do you? Mm -hmm. Look at your employment card. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You may call the home if you care to confirm that, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you also like me to confirm this? What's that? Date of birth. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Place of birth. North Pole. Now, really. Why, I believe you doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, that. Dasher, dancer, prancer, and vixen. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. Um, uh, uh, Kringle. But the uh, the Santa Claus that we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to him to... Uh, what, have I done something wrong? Uh, no, no, no. It's it's just that we feel... Uh, oh, excuse me. Hello? Uh, this is Mr. Shellhammer, Mrs. Walker. Drop whatever you're doing. Mr. Macy wants to see us immediately. Oh, I'll be right up. 
I'm afraid I'll have to be very abrupt with you. I have to see Mr. Macy. You'll be paid for the full week, Mr. Kringle, and uh, I'll send your check to that address. Oh, uh, come right in, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shellhammer. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Now, about this new policy you two initiated. Uh, oh. Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimbel's. Well, I, I, I can explain everything, Mr. Macy. You don't have to explain a thing. Just look at my desk. 42 telegrams and over 500 phone calls. Grateful parents expressing undying gratitude to Macy's department store. Why, you, you don't say. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but every salesperson in the entire store. You mean that if we haven't got what the customer asks for, we're to... We're to send him where he can get it. No high-pressuring and forcing a customer to take something he doesn't really want. I think that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. Why, we'll be known as, uh, as the helpful store, the friendly store. The store that places public service ahead of profits. And consequently, we will make more profits than ever. <laughs> As for you, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Shellhammer, you'll find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelope. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. And tell that wonderful Santa Claus I won't forget him either. As a matter of fact, I'll tell him myself in the morning. Uh, yes, indeed, Mr. Macy. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good, good night, Mr. Macy. And thank you again, sir. Oh, imagine a bonus. Yes. Well, what's the matter with you? Mr. Shellhammer, I just fired him. Who? Santa Claus. No, 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 you couldn't have. But I did. He, he's crazy, Mr. Shellhammer. He really thinks he is Santa Claus. I don't care if he thinks he, he's the Easter Bunny. Find him. <laughs> Act two of Miracle on 34th Street will continue in a moment. Well, Libby, have you given Santa your Christmas list? Yes, indeed, John. And number one on my list is a pair of Chinese pajamas with a three-quarter coat and little upstanding collar. Just like the ones Mata Torin wears in Rogue's Regiment. Perhaps you'd better have the wardrobe mistress of Universal International show Santa what you mean. Well, I'm sure Dick Powell or Stephen McNally could give him a good description. They found Marta very glamorous in this modern story of the French Foreign Legion. And what a villain Vincent Price is in Rogue's Regiment. Mm -hmm. I was on the edge of my seat through the whole picture. And you talk about a pair of pajamas. <laughs> well, they were very special. Marta liked them so well, she had four pairs made for her personal wardrobe. And she was delighted when they told her she could lux them. That's about the easiest care in the world. Especially now with the new tiny diamonds of lux. Another triumph of the famous Lever Laboratories. These tiny diamonds are so much faster, they burst into suds the instant water touches them and make wonderfully rich suds that last and last. Don't colors look marvelous when they're luxed? So fresh and new. No wonder smart girls say they won't risk wrong washing methods. Tests prove that with gentle care with Lux Flakes really makes a difference. Lux slips in 90s Stayed new looking three times as long. And that's just like getting three pretty slips for the price of one. A really thoughtful Santa would put a box of Lux Flakes in every lingerie gift next Friday night. Here's our producer, Mr. William Keeley. Act two of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Marina O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. It was a frantic few hours that Doris spent last night 
rushing out to the Brooks Memorial Home in Long Island and assuring Chris Kringle that Macy's wanted him back to Santa Claus. Now Chris is again presiding over the crowded toy department, while in her office, Doris and Mr. Shellhammer... Don't you understand, Mr. Shellhammer? That old man with the nice white whiskers insists that he is Santa Claus. Why, he's out of his mind. What if he should have a, a fit or something? Oh, no, I've got to tell Mr. Macy. Yes, but maybe he's only a little crazy. Anyway, you can't be sure until he's examined. We'll send him to Mr. Sawyer. Sawyer? In personnel. He's paid to examine employees, isn't he? And now, by the way, <laughs> what do you think of this? What is it? A full-page ad Macy's is running in tomorrow's newspapers. Macy's is running it? But it's all about the other stores, Gimbel's and Saks I know, and... I know. Mr. Macy's idea to help our customers find what they want. It's revolting, isn't it? That Santa Claus certainly has started something. Oh, well. I'll get a hold of him in his lunch hour and send him up to Mr. Sawyer. So I changed my clothes, Mr. Sawyer, and came right up. Oh. Well, then that's your own beard, huh? Oh, oh yes, yes. Mm. Interesting complex in back of that. Why do you carry a cane? Always carry a cane, Mr. Sawyer. Well, that is when I wear street clothes. Hmm. I carved this cane out of a runner from one of my old sleighs. What's that? What's that? With a fine, solid silver top. Oh. <clears throat> who was the first president of the United States? Oh? Oh, give me a difficult one. Like, who was... Who was vice president under James Monroe? I'm conducting this examination. The answer is Daniel D. Tompkins. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. You're a... You're a rather nervous man, aren't you, Mr. Sawyer? Hmm? <laughs> Tell me, do you, um... Do you get enough sleep? My personal habits are no concern of yours. Now, what hand am I holding up? Right hand. How many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You bite your nails, too. Huh? Oh, Stand up now. Feet together. Arms extended. Muscular coordination tests. I've taken dozens of these tests. Mr. Sawyer, are you happy at home? What? That will be all, Mr. Kringle. The examination is over. Thank you. Yeah, and it may interest you to know I've been happily married for 22 years. Very happily married. Delighted to hear it. Goodbye, Mr. Sawyer. Miss Prawn. Yes, sir. Get Mrs. Walker on the phone. Yes, sir. But your wife, Mr. Sawyer, she's called four times already. Well, you tell my big fat wife to shut up and mind her own business. Here's Mrs. Walker, sir. All right. All right. <clears throat> Hello. Oh, I, w I was just going to call you, Mr. Sawyer. Oh? There's a Dr. Pierce stopping by this afternoon at three. Who's Dr. Pierce? He's the physician at the Brooks home. I thought we might discuss Mr. Kringle's case with him. Oh, there's hardly any point in discussing it, Mrs. Walker. Obviously, the old man should be discharged. So, Dr. Pierce, Kringle should be dismissed immediately and sent to a mental institution. Oh, now, just a minute, Mr. Sawyer. Ah, he's deluded saying that he's Santa Claus. It's a delusion for good. I found he only wants to be friendly and helpful. Uh, his whole manner suggests aggressiveness. Look at the way he carries that cane. Mrs. Walker, naturally, I can't discharge that loony, so when he exhibits his maniacal tendencies, please realize the responsibility is completely off. Well, I'm right back where I started. Mrs. Walker, I assure you, Chris Kringle has no maniacal tendencies. But if there's the slightest possibility of us causing any trouble... What trouble? All that needs happen is a policeman ask his name. 
Chris Kringle, Clang Clang, and Macy Sa Santa Claus lands up in the psychopathic ward. Well, you can prevent that very simply. Now, there must be someone here at the store who could rent him a room. Then they could both come to work together. I just as soon he avoided that long train ride to Long Island anyway. You mean sort of take custody of him? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mr. Kringle would agree to that? Oh, I'm sure he'll agree. Well, in, in that case... Uh, now, let me see. Who do I know who could rent him a room? I'm glad you're going to have dinner with us, Mr. Kringle. Oh, thank you, Susan. I'm also very glad you're going to live next door with Mr. Gailey. Oh, Why? Because you're nice to talk to. Oh. <laughs> I say, what a fine young man that Mr. Gailey is, eh? Just think, allowing me to share his apartment, a mere stranger. He did it because Mother hinted to him. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm very grateful. Shall I tell you what I did in school today? Oh, by all means. Any games? Yes. And a very silly game, too. Huh? They played zoo, and each child was supposed to be an animal. Oh, but Susan, they were just pretending. But that's what makes the game so silly. Oh. Well, of course, in order to play games, you need imagination. Oh, uh, that's when you see things, but they're not really there, huh? Oh, yes. Yes, but, you know, to me, imagination is a place all by itself. Now, you've heard of the French nation. Mm -hmm. hmm? And the British nation. Yes. Well, this is the imagination. <laughs> A very interesting place, too. Now, how would you like to be able to make snowballs in summertime, eh? What? Or be the Statue of Liberty in the morning, and in the afternoon, fly south with a flock of geese? Well, I'm quite sure I'd like it, but... Oh, it's very simple. Very. Well, anyway, look here. The next time they play zoo, you can be a monkey. But I don't know how to be a monkey. Don't you? Oh, I'll show you. Now, first, you bend over a little, like, uh, like this, see? Now, let your arms hang loose, see? Like this? Yes, yeah, that's fine, fine. Now, put your hand over here and start scratching, see? <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's excellent, Susan. That's as fine a bit of scratching as I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now you start chattering. Chattering? Yes, now listen. <laughs> see? And keep scratching. Now then, look here. We'll do it together, see? Chatter and scratch and scratch and chatter, see? That's fine, Susan. Fine. You're doing beautifully. Beautifully. Yes. <laughs> Susan. Susan. Are you still awake? Uh-huh. I've uh, just come in to say goodnight, Susan. That's all. Now, look here. About Christmas... There must be something you'd like for Christmas. Well, I've certainly thought about something, Mr. Kringle. You have? Well, what is it, eh? Tell me. It's right here on the night table. See? Oh. I tore this page out of a magazine. It's a picture of a house. Oh, that's what you want, is it? A doll's house. Colonial architecture. Oh, not a doll's house. A real house. A real house? Yes. And if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Now, 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 wait a minute, Susie. What could you possibly do with a big house? Live in it with my mother. And a backyard with a big tree to put a swing on. And a garden and a... Oh, well. Why even discuss it? Susie, 
Susie, could I, uh, could I keep this picture? Just, uh, just in case? I guess so. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Well, Mr. Gailey's waiting for me. Good night, monkey. Good night, Mr. Kringle. Take whichever bed you want, Mr. Kringle. You're very kind, really. Uh, tell me, Mr. Gailey, what is it you just do for a living, eh? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Haslip, Haslip, Sherman, and Mackenzie. Oh. Mm. And you, uh, you like living here in the city? Well, it's convenient. But someday I'd like to get a place on Long Island. Huh. Not a big house, just one of those junior partner deals around Manhasset. Oh, one of those little colonial houses, eh? Yeah. 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 A little colonial house would be swell. Good. Good, yeah. You're, um, <clears throat> you're quite fond of Mrs. Walker, aren't you? <laughs> a lot of good it does me. She lives in a cast iron shell that's just a little difficult to penetrate. Oh. Well, you must try a little harder, Mr. Gailey. You know, Mrs. Walker and that child are a couple of lost souls. And it's up to us to help them. See? No. Yeah, she... Oh, well, shall I turn out the light? No, no, no. no? I'm not going to be cheated out of this. You know, all my life I've wondered about it, and now I'm going to find out. Tell me, does Santa Claus sleep with his whiskers outside or inside the cupboard? <laughs> oh, outside, of course. Outside, by all means. The cold air makes them grow. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, uh, come in, Mrs. Walker. Come in. Thank you, Mr. Macy. I've just heard something very exciting. You have? Well, let me tell you something very exciting. Our policy of being kind to customers has tripled our sales. Now, what do you think of that? That's wonderful, Mr. Macy. And Gimbel's thinks it's wonderful, too. Gimbals? Gimbals are adopting the same policy. Well, is that so? And it gives me an idea. As long as Gimbals are doing the same thing, why not some pictures for the newspapers? Uh, pictures? Yes. You and Mr. Gimble shaking hands. Shaking hands? R.H. Macy and... and Gimble? Well... well, yes. Yes, yes, why not? With Santa Claus. <laughs> it's a great idea, Mrs. Walker. <laughs> Macy and Gimble shaking hands. All right, that's the first half of Miracle on 34th Street, going back to December 20th, 1948. Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne. And yes, that was Willard Waterman there talking. Willard Waterman played. Throck Morton P. Gildersleeve for a while. And what did the P stand for, Lisa? Philharmonic. Very good. Wow, Lisa. <laughs> you're becoming a classic radio expert. Yeah, well, I live with one every Saturday from 10 to 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Motorists, this holiday season, please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This is not funny information. This is serious business. This program is in effect year-round. I didn't do anything. I know. I was this... just thinking about you drinking Roma wine. Okay, well, you made me smile. Don't drive. 
if no, you're going to drink Roma wine. I would not. This is not kidding, though. This is serious oh, business. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide on all major holidays, including Christmas and New Year's. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AAIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For more information, visit www.aaimthenumber1.org. Okay. I will. You'll do it? I will do it. If okay. I see somebody, you know, swerving from lane to lane, I will you know, call. You know, it's scary business out there. I'll That's, tell you what. Uh, you know what, Lisa? No yeah, we sometimes we leave here at 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. And we're on the road and people are just... You know, it's Saturday <laughs> they don't know night, how to drive. Sunday morning. I know. Just don't drive know how to drive. Drive defensively. They don't know how to drive. I guess because they're probably um, drinking Roma wines like you. <laughs> well, I'm not drinking Roma wines before, during, and after, or after driving on the road. So that's for sure. You're leaving Monday for Florida. I'm leaving on, on a jet, jet plane. plane. I'm leaving Monday. I'm heading to Florida. I'll be there for one week, and then I'll be right back here on WGN okay. Radio Theater. Because I mean, what is the show without and me? I should take a you picture know? of you before you leave, because Why? when you come back, you will not be one shade tanner. That's exactly not correct. One Iota Tanner. I'm going to look exactly like this. You what do you won't put like n- 75 on? Is that what you wear? I just cover myself up from too much sun <laughs> because I don't want skin cancer or any kind of burning on my, especially on my face. My skin burns really, really quickly and yeah. it's really uncomfortable and it's really dangerous both. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, well, yeah, I mean, have fun. Thank you. I'm sure I'll speak Everybody's to you Everybody's going, point. the whole fam. The whole kit including and Simba, all six of us and wow. my dog. We're all going to go visit my parents That's in Minnesota. Nice. That's nice. And uh, hey, you know, I want to thank our listeners because um, our listeners have been with us, tried and true from day one. We've been That's on the true. air here almost five years now, right? And we've had different time slots. They have found us. They have uh, hung in there with us. And you know what, folks? If it wasn't for you guys, why do it? Why should we do this, right? That's true. We want to make sure that you love what we're doing. We love doing it, but it's like, why do it? And I hope that comes if across. If our listeners are not out there. Oh, we we love it. I mean, we absolutely love doing this and show. And I will tell you, thank you so much for all of these texts on yeah, the text in line. Texts I'm watching tonight. them and a lot of happy holidays and safe yeah. travels. And, and we appreciate the kind words and we send the same sentiment out to all of you. Let's see if I can figure this out. Happy uh, Hanukkah. Happy Merry Christmas. Um, Merry uh, Kwanzaa or Happy Kwanzaa. What there, else is there? There's... Is there any other ones? There I'm, are, but I'm there's trying. New Year's is around the corner. Well, I'm thinking about Christmas here. I think that may have covered <laughs> you know, it. just happy, happy to everybody. Yeah, happy. It's just really nice to, you know, spend time with friends and family and, and just uh, enjoy this time of the year. Yeah, that's true. And don't forget, folks, we have a uh, special Christmas show of the WGN Radio Theater on Christmas Day. I will be here live Coming in here um, right after my Christmas party. I'm actually having everybody over to my place, and I'm going to shoot out of there at 6 o'clock so people, they could hang out if they want. So you'll be on the air at 8 p.m., 8 8 to 11. I won't be here, but I will be listening from Florida, and I'll uh, be back next week. I have everyone coming to my place at 2 p.m., 
And then... Um, it's a great excuse to get to, out of I'm there. I'm going to be like, see ya. You'll probably have more fun here. Well, I won't be here, but otherwise you'd probably have more my fun here. My mom's coming. My two <laughs> sisters will be there. My brother. All their kids are coming. My kids will be there. They're flying in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and then, you'll have fun coming here and playing yeah. some great Christmas shows. My brother is going to come with me. So my crabby brother, Vince, will be my co-host that night. His crabby brother, Vince, is going to fill in for me? Yeah. That should be interesting. He is going to. And we're going to play Philco Radio Time with Bing Crosby Christmas show. Life of Riley Christmas show. William Bendix as Chester A. Riley. And then we're going to uh, end the night with Dragnet. Uh, Jack Webb Sounds in a Christmas great. show that you will not want to miss. One of the best Christmas shows, one of the best Dragnet, very heartwarming Christmas uh, episode of Dragnet. You would think, okay, Dragnet's a police show. Right. How's that heartwarming? And you're not really of the heartwarming sort. Usually. No, I really am not. <laughs> but this one, this one warmed the cockles of my heart. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything after that. Uh, it did. It really did. When I heard it, and I was like, you know, and I they, didn't know you had a heart. I have cockles, and I have a heart. What's, I have both. What's cockles? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Look it up. Is I'm it a sure. body part? I don't know. I think it's like I don't know. Actually, I've heard the I've heard I the have term too, but I'm wondering if it you know what it the, is. It warms the cockles of my heart. I'm going to look that up right now, I and I'm going to is let it with you know. a K or a C? I'm going to tell you in a second. Cockles. Um, all right, so uh, in the next hour, we will uh, we'll have the conclusion to this Lux Radio Theater presentation of Miracle on 34th Street. Is there a better Christmas movie than Miracle on 34th Street? No, that's a I great mean, I, one. I, I, that's I mean, of fantastic. course I love It's a Wonderful Life. That's great, too. Yep. But this is like really Christmas, you know? Right. right, And so Cockles of the Heart, it's spelled C-O-C-K-L-E-S. It's a C, huh? It's a C, and, uh, you know, it's something that gives us that warm and fuzzy feeling. Exactly what you It's sort of like being in front of a fireplace kind of thing. I think it's even better than that. (laughs) Because it's it's more than the physical heat. It's it's the emotional aspect of it, too. Of course, you're missing that as well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a lot of emotion. I'm clear on that. (laughs) Um, All right. So so Edmund, Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, John Payne will return in the Lux Radio Theater in uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, Do text us. We will be here till 3 o'clock in the morning, and we've gotten a lot of texts, and it's so nice to get your texts, and such such yeah. nice things people are saying. We have really the nicest listeners. We so do. And we we're appreciate so, you, and we wish you the same. I mean, we really wishes. mean that. We appreciate yeah. our listeners so much. And if you go to our Facebook page, make sure you like us, because we're trying to yeah. build the likes, I'll miss too, you there. guys next weekend, but I can't wait to be back. All right, we'll see you in just a few. Stick with us. Hour 5 of the WGN Radio Theater, and thanks for staying up late with us. We did have a late start tonight, midnight, but uh, next week, Lisa, we'll be back at our regular time. Right. We're not preempted at all. Well, no. you'll be back at the regular time. I will time. be here with a special guest because Lisa's going to be in Florida. You're leaving when? Monday? I am. I'm taking a little, just one week off. I'm leaving Monday, going to Florida. My parents what are there. Taking the whole family, even the dog. Man. And we're going to spend one week in You're Florida. You're taking Simba with you? Of course I'm taking Simba with me. How are you going to him on the plane? He um, sits on my daughter's lap. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> You're flying uh, United? I am. Flying United to get there. Okay. Yeah. Very, very so good. I Give a plug you... to United. What yeah, I hope you guys have a great Saturday night without me, but I will be back for the next Saturday night. I'm not going to tell our listeners who the special guest next Saturday is going to be. Right. But uh, this person 
is uh, a famous uh, person, especially uh, well-known in the Chicagoland area. And you and I both know him or her from our past experiences, so he or she is not a stranger to either of us. Right, and uh, he or her is very (laughs) (laughs) well-known for his or her... This is getting confusing. Voice. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Kind of known for his or her voice. Right. He or she has a great voice. <laughs> and this person knows uh, their classic radio. I'll tell you right. that, It's going to be a lot of fun. That's um, next Saturday. I mean, it's not going to be as much fun as if I were there, certainly. Well, it never is. <laughs> Never is, but listen Lisa. in, and I'll be listening from Florida. Yeah, make sure you're with us next Saturday at 10 p.m. Uh, for me with a special co-host. Right, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., so you'll yeah. have some good fun together. And I will actually be here uh, this week on Christmas night from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. I'll be playing some Christmas classic radio shows right. for you. So mark your calendar for that. Lisa won't be able to join us because she'll be in Florida, but my crabby brother, Vince will be with me. Well, that sounds crabby. (laughs) You know what he said to me, Lisa? I'm afraid to know. He said, look, if you play the Great Gildersleeve, I'm not coming. So I'm guessing you're not playing no, the Great I'm not sleeve. playing the Great Gilder That's sleeve. a good idea. No, no, no. But he said if I did, he would not come with. Well, I think that's fair. <laughs> because you don't want to be sitting around with your crabby brother who's actually really crabby. No, no, no. I absolutely, absolutely don't. So in this hour, we're going to have the conclusion to uh, the Lux Radio Theater Miracle on 34th Street. I have a few little, um, few little tidbits of information about this movie. Very interesting. The budget was $630,000. That's all it was. So $630,000. But that was probably a lot of money. Of course, in 1948. In 1948. Actually, I think it came out in 47. Uh, Edmund Gwen, of course, played Chris Kringle in the movie. Uh, Marino Sullivan was Doris Walker. John Payne was attorney Fred Gailey. And little Natalie Wood was uh, Susan. Now, she is not on this radio broadcast, but she did a great job in the movie. And the interesting thing, and we talk about it in our fun fact, is the original trailer and all the marketing for this film, all of the marketing for this film, omitted any mention of its Christmas themes. And uh, even though this was set during the Christmas season, studio head Daryl F. Zanuck insisted that the film be released in May because he argued that the more people they go to the movies in the warmer weather, you know? Do you think that's true? Yeah. More people go to the movies in warmer weather. Yeah. yeah. Although Christmas has a really big draw for, I mean, even Christmas Day well, is you a know, huge draw for Things were movies. different back then, yeah. obviously. But he was like, no, this movie cost us a lot of money, right. $630,000. <laughs> we got to recoup. So in promoting it, they kept the Christmas setting a right. secret in the in the poster in the marketing, in the trailer. People did not know. In fact, even in the poster, Chris Kringle is Mm -hmm. not in the Santa suit. Right. You can check out that poster. We have it posted on our Facebook page, WGN Radio Theater. It's also on WGN Radio's Facebook page as well. Right. He's just in a suit, Right. you know, like with Natalie Wood in the poster. So, uh, yeah, they did a really great job of keeping it total secret. Well, we just let the cat out of the bag. You know, so Maureen (laughs) O'Hara, she was reluctant to take the role because she had just moved back to Ireland 
And uh, she changed her mind, though, after reading the script. She knew it was going to be a, a big hit. And she came back to the United States for the filming of the movie. Now, the Catholic Legion of Decency gave the movie a B rating instead of an A rating. You know why? No. Because she played a divorcee oh. in the film. Wow. So they were like, oh, oh, shame, shame. You're right. not getting an A rating. Again, a sign of the times. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a B rating. Edmund Gwen won an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role in this movie. And in 1985, it became the first full-length black-and-white film to be colorized. Mm. It was the first film. And during the filming, believe this or not, this is really interesting, believe it or not, during the filming... Natalie Wood believed, she truly believed, that Edmund Gwen was actually Santa Claus. Yeah. She thought that they cast Santa Claus right. in this movie. See, that's the magic. And uh, when the film was released, um, Macy's closed early so that its 12,000 employees wow. could go see the film. Nice. How cool is that? That is cool. Macy's right. closed early, <laughs> half day early. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to listen to the conclusion to Miracle on 34th Street on the Lux Radio Theater, so stick around. Tidings of comfort and joy, stories of Chicago's very own, Chicago's merry own WGN-TV News specials, Christmas Day at 5.30 and 9.30. So, uh, Lisa, we're going on a cruise. Kind we of are. exciting, you right? You know, it seems so far away when we first started talking about it, but yeah, I mean, now it's, it's just not. right around the corner. I August know. 1st of 2020, it's not that far away. So time to pack your... Pack your Speedo, Carl. Oh, I will. I have it. I'm, I'm already packed. I got okay. it ready to go. You're already packed. Yeah, two Speedos. Oh, no. Yeah. Two of them. <laughs> one well, one green and one yellow. I was hoping for white. <laughs> but anyhow. <laughs> um, so we're going to Bermuda on Oceana Cruises, which is a uh, luxury cruise line, yes. August 1st of 2020. And um, we're going on the uh, reimagined insignia. That's yep. the name of the ship for seven nights heading to Bermuda. Bermuda. And not only is this a great cruise because it's an Oceana cruise ship, which is like the best of the best, but it's a classic radio cruise. So yeah. we're really joining those two things, which I think sounds just like an ideal vacation. Now, when we have the cocktail party the first night, are you going to be drinking Roma wines? If they have Roma wines, yeah. then I promise to drink some. Okay. We're going to have a cocktail <laughs> party, start things off, kind of get to know each other. Yeah. And then we're going to have a classic radio reenactment. We're going to have trivia contest. It is going to be a blast. You're going to get to learn more about us. We're going to get to learn more about you. It is going to be so much fun. We're going to explore Bermuda. Right. And we're going to hang out in the lounges and in the restaurants, at the casino. All of the above. At the pool. I cannot wait. And we're going to go explore St. George and Hamilton if you want to. And if not, we can hang out, stay back on the ship, and just enjoy a few uh, pina coladas and just uh, have some fun. And Lisa will have a big, white, floppy hat. That's true. Because my friend... Friend Luann bought a hat That's for me right. before the cruise, and I'm ready to go. All uh, I need is some sunscreen, it's be and I'm a lot good. Of fun. Now, <laughs> here's the thing, folks. You're probably going to take a vacation anyway, you know. So why don't you come with us to Bermuda, August first, seven days? It uh, sails out of New York, and it's going to be a blast. You know, to get all the details, the best way is to uh, go through our travel agency. We have a great group rate with Keen Luxury Travel, K E E N E Luxury Travel. Their number is eight hundred. 
1-800-856-1155. Right, or you can just go to our website, wgnradiotheater.com, scroll down, you'll see a banner for our cruise. If you click that, it tells you all of the information. But do call Keen Luxury Travel, they'll walk you all through it. We do have a tremendous rate. It's going to be terrific. It's going to be a lot of people, going to be a lot of fun. And a limited amount of room. Yeah. So um, don't wait. Check it out right now. Go with us to Bermuda, August 1st, 2020. All right. You ready for the conclusion now of Lux Radio Theater? Yes. Let's go back to December 20th, 1948. Here is the last half hour or so of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne. That's enough pictures, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. Gimbel? Come on, R.H. Now we'll go over to my store and get some really good pictures. Oh, just a minute. I have something here for Santa Claus. Here you are, Mr. Kringle. A check in appreciation of all you've done. Mr. Macy, why, that's most kind of you. I didn't think you were that generous, R.H. That's quite a check. What are you going to do with it, Mr. Kringle? Well, I have a friend, a Dr. Pierce. He needs a new x-ray machine. You buy the machine through the store. Ten percent discount. Nonsense. Come over to Gimbel's. We'll furnish it at cost. Oh, keep it up, gentlemen. Keep it up. <laughs> at this rate, my friend will have a whole new hospital. <laughs> <laughs> How did the pictures turn out, Mr. Kringle? Oh, fine, Alfred, fine. How about a game of checkers during lunch, eh? Oh, not today, Chris. I I don't feel so good. Oh? What's the matter, Alfred? Oh, nothing much. You remember I was telling you how I like to play Santa Claus over at the Y and give out packages to the kids? Yeah. Well, I was telling Mr. Sawyer about it, and he says that's very bad, that psychologically it's all wrong. Wrong? To be nice to children? Well, he says guys who play Santa Claus do it because when they was young, they must have done something bad. Now they do something they think is good to make up for it, see? It's what he calls a guilt complex. Alfred, what else has he found wrong with you? Nothing much. Just that I hate my father. (laughs) I didn't know it, but he says I do. Excuse me. Hey, ain't you going to have lunch? Later. Right now, I have an appointment with Mr. Sawyer. What do you mean, breaking into my office like this? Are you a licensed psychiatrist? What business is it of yours? I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for meddling amateurs who go around practicing it. Oh, shut up. You ought to be horsewhipped. Taking a boy like Alfred and filling him up with complexes and phobias... I think I'm better equipped to judge that than you. Just because Alfred wants to be kind to children, you tell him he has a guilt complex. (laughs) Having the same delusion, you couldn't possibly understand. And don't you wave that cane at me. Either you stop analyzing Alfred, or I'll go straight to Mr. Macy and tell him what a contemptible fraud you are. Get out of here. Get out of here before I have you thrown out. There's only one way to handle a man like you. Maybe this'll knock some sense into you. Oh! Oh, help! Oh, my head! My head! Oh! Good day, Mr. Sawyer. Miss Prawn! Get me the police! Get get me Mrs. Walker! Get me the psychopathic ward in Bellevue Hospital! You can see Mr. Kringle now, Mr. Gailey. Thank you, nurse. Hello, Chris. (sighs) Hello, Fred. Chris, I've been speaking to the doctors. They said they've given you some tests. Oh, yes. Same old tests. Except this time you failed to pass them. Chris, you deliberately failed. Why? Why? Well, because I had great hopes, Fred. I had a feeling 
Mrs. Walker was beginning to believe in me, and now... Well, now I discover she was only humoring me all the time. But this wasn't Doris's idea at all. Mr. Sawyer had you sent up here before she even knew about it. But why... Why didn't she come to me and explain things? Because she didn't want to hurt you. Oh, well, it's not just Mrs. Walker. It's... Well, now, take Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, dishonest, deceitful. Yet he's out there and I'm in here. Well, if that's normal, I don't want it. But you can't just think of yourself, Chris. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people. People like me who believe in what you stand for and people like, well, like Susie, who are just beginning to. Chris, you're letting us down. I... Well, Fred, maybe you're right. I... Well, of course you're right. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. You flunked your mental examination, but good. Oh, yes, so I did. Oh. Well, well, anyway, you're a lawyer. You fix it. Hey, look, I can't just... Now, I won't let you down, and you won't let me down. Chris, now take it easy. Look, there'll have to be a hearing. If you're going to be committed, it has to be before a judge. Well? Well, if I can do anything at all, it'll have to be in courtroom. Now, sit tight, Chris. I'll get an idea. I have to get an idea. You uh, uh, sent for me, Mr. Mason? I certainly did, Mr. Sawyer. I brought my family to the toy department to see our Santa Claus, and our Santa Claus isn't there. He's in Bellevue. Yes, Mr. Macy. Because he's a lunatic. Yes, sir. A l- lunatic. <laughs> lunatic, my foot. Now, you listen to me, Sawyer. You get that case dropped right away, or you'll have another lump to match the one he gave you. But it's out of my hands. Mr. Kringle goes to court in the morning. Well, just see that he's back in the toy department by afternoon. Now, get out of here. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Gailey. Yes? I've been looking all over for you. I'm Mr. <clears throat> Sawyer. Oh, so you're Sawyer. Yes. I, uh, I was just speaking to the court clerk, and he said you represent Mr. Kringle. <clears throat> well, I represent Mr. Macy. Well, then I'll see you in court. Oh, no. uh, uh, that's what I wanted to speak to you about. Now, Mr. Macy would like to drop the whole case right now. You see, we're most anxious to avoid any publicity. No publicity, oh. huh? Well, that's very interesting. Oh, then you'll cooperate. You know something, Sawyer? You've just given me the idea I've been searching for. Oh, good, good. If I'm going to win this case, I'm going to have to have public opinion and plenty of it. And publicity's just the way to do it. Thanks, and uh, so long, Mr. Sawyer. Uh, Mr. Gailey? But Mr. Gailey! Look at these newspapers, Chris, here. Evening Dispatch. Doctors doubt sanity of Santa who launched Goodwill Campaign. Oh, my. Daily Bulletin. Macy's Santa Claus to have lunacy hearing. Mm. What's this one? The New York Express. Is Chris Kringle crazy? Court case coming. Kiddies cry calamity. (laughs) You've driven the United Nations clear back to page five. Well, get a good night's sleep, Chris. We go before Judge Harper at ten tomorrow morning. When a new player signs a contract with 20th Century Fox, she soon gets well acquainted with Miss Helena Sorrell, head dramatic coach. Helena, do you like to watch your pupils perform in a picture? Oh, of course, John, because I take a personal interest in them. I'm especially proud of Betty Grable in her new picture, When My Baby Smiles at Me. 
Betty's become a really fine dramatic actress. She certainly has. She and Dan Daly are magnificent as a couple of vaudeville hoofers. Betty's costumes in When My Baby Smiles at Me gave me a thrill. And I was amazed how many things the wardrobe department washed with Lux Flakes. It reminded me of my theatrical days when I was on the road and lived in a couple of trunks. A box of Lux Flakes in each? <laughs> That's absolutely true, John. I was never without it, in my hotel or at the theater. Well, then you, you've probably discovered that the new tiny diamonds of Lux are more wonderful than ever. They're so much faster and richer. Do more for you, too. They remove soil which other types of suds can't. Leave things cleaner, fresher. And Lux Flakes keep colors lovely. You're right there. That's why it's foolish to risk wrong washing methods that may fade colors. Actual tests show that with gentle Lux Flakes care, colors stay lovely up to three times as long. That's a good tip for girls who get nice blouses and sweaters for Christmas. Right you are. And thank you for coming tonight, Helena Sorrell. We return you now to William Keeley. The curtain rises on the third act of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris... John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris. For a few weeks, a jolly elderly gentleman named Chris Kringle has been working minor miracles as Macy's Santa Claus. But now, his sanity has been seriously questioned. And in a crowded courtroom, Judge Harper listens patiently as the assistant district attorney summons Chris to the witness stand. Now, uh, this is not a trial, Mr. Kringle. It's just a hearing, so you don't have to answer any questions. <clears throat> now then, uh, where do you live, please? Well, it seems to me that's what this hearing will decide, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kringle, do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Of course I do. That's all, Your Honor. The state rests its case. Well, Mr. Gailey... Your Honor, Mr. Mara contends my client is not sane because he believes he is Santa Claus. An entirely logical conclusion. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is crazy. Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper, yet no one questions your sanity because you are Judge Harper, do they? Mr. Kringle is the subject of this sanity hearing, not I. Well, Your Honor, I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Mr. Mara. I thought you said this was a cut-and-dried sanity hearing. Well, I thought it was, Your Honor. <clears throat> In view of Mr. Gailey's statement, I'll have to review the entire background of this case. Courts adjourn till tomorrow morning. Hello, Doris. I'm sorry I'm late, but get ready. We're really going to celebrate tonight. What are we celebrating? Well, didn't you read the papers? Santa's mouthpiece throws bombshell on New York Supreme Court. Oh, Fred, you're not really serious about this. You can't possibly prove that Chris Kringle is Santa Claus. Well, you saw Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble shake hands. That wasn't possible either. What does your firm have to say about it? Hayslip and Mackenzie and, and the rest of them? That I've uh, jeopardized their prestige. Neither I dropped this impossible case or they'll drop me. You see? So I beat them to it. I quit. Fred! You threw away a career because of a sentimental whim? Well, I'll open my own office. And what kind of clients will you get? Oh, probably a lot of people like Chris who are being pushed around. That's the only fun in law anyway. Doris, look. Don't you have any faith in me at all? No, it's not a question of faith. It's, it's just common sense. But faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. It's not just Chris that's on trial. It's everything he stands for. Human kindness and love oh, and dignity. Fred, listen. We've seen a lot of each other the last couple of weeks. I... 
Well, I've become fond of you. We've talked about some wonderful plans, haven't we? And then you do this. Go on an idealistic binge, throw away your security, and expect me to be happy about it. And I expect too much. Is that it? Well, that's that, I guess. Good night, Doris. Hello. Yes, this is Mr. Merrill. Well, can't it wait till tomorrow? I'm eating din... Who's been subpoenaed? Well, how do you think I feel about it? I'll see you tomorrow. Who's that, dear? R.H. Macy's been subpoenaed. Oh, my. Those reporters. They make me look like a sadistic monster who likes nothing better than to drown pussycats and tear wings off butterflies. Quiet, dear. Tommy's still awake. Oh, oh, yeah. It'd... It'd just break his heart if he knew what his daddy is doing. I'm doing my job as assistant district attorney. Well, I'm not so sure, but, I, but that I agree with them. Mr. Kringle looks like a very nice old man, and I don't see why you have to keep persecuting him. I'm not persecuting him. I'm prosecuting him. <laughs> I like the old man, too, but, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know something, Thomas? Sometimes I wish I'd married a butcher or a plumber. Well, if I lose this case, it's very possible you'll get your wish. <laughs> R.H. Macy, I, I wonder what he's going to pull tomorrow. Proceed to the witness, Mr. Gailey. Now then, Mr. Macy, if you recognize the defendant, please tell us who he is. Why, Chris Kringle, of course. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? Sound mind? I wish I had a dozen like him. Mr. Macy, you are under oath. Do you believe that man is Santa Claus? Well, now, that's a rather delicate... Uh... Just think of those headlines tomorrow. Macy admits his Santa Claus is fraud. You keep out of this, Gimble. What did you say? Yo, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, Nothing, Mr. Barra, nothing. <laughs> well, I wish you would. Is that man Santa Claus? Yes, in my opinion, he most certainly is. Your Honor, there is no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Can you prove there isn't any? I won't even try. I'll not waste the court's time with such childish nonsense. Your Honor, the prosecution requests an immediate ruling from this court. Is there or is there not a Santa Claus? Well, now, uh, I, uh... The court will take a short recess to consider the question. Hello, Henry. Why, Charlie, what are you doing here? Can't an old friend visit you in your chambers? And if you ask me, you never needed a friend like you do now. This Kringle case? Well, I certainly don't see what they're making such a fuss about. Henry, that's Santa Claus you've got out there. On trial for lunacy. This case is dynamite. And you're coming up for re-election soon. Charlie, you know what happened last night? Martha brought the grandchildren over. They... they wouldn't kiss Grandpa. They wouldn't even talk to me. Well, you see what I mean? If you rule there is no Santa Claus, you better start looking for that chicken farm right now. I'm a responsible judge. How can I seriously rule that there is a Santa Claus? Because of what happens if you don't. The kids read about it and they don't hang up their stockings. Now what happens to all the toys that are supposed to be in those stockings? Nobody buys them. The toy manufacturers have to lay off employees. By now you've got the AFL and the CIO against you. <laughs> Yes, and they're going to say it with votes, see? 
Oh, and the department stores are going to love you, too. <laughs> yes, sir, Henry. And what about the Salvation Army? They got a Santa Claus on every street corner. They're taking a lot of money to help the poor. <laughs> but go ahead, Henry. You go in there and rule there isn't any Santa Claus. But if you do, you can count on getting just two votes, your own and that district attorney's out there. One vote, Charlie. He, he's a Republican. <laughs> oh, well, let's get this over with. The, uh, the question of Santa Claus seems to be uh, largely a matter of opinion. The uh, tradition of American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a controversial matter. But, Your Honor... This court, therefore, intends to keep its mind open. We shall ask for evidence on either side. But the burden of proof clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If Your Honor, please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who, me? No. Thomas Mara, Jr. I believe he and his mother are both in court today. Hi, Hi. <laughs> Tommy, do you believe in Santa Claus? I sure do. Gosh, he gave me a brand new sled last year. Now, um, what does Santa Claus look like, Tommy? Well, there he is sitting right over there. Your Honor, I protest. Overruled. Tell me, Tommy, um, why are you so sure there's a Santa Claus? Because my papa told me so, didn't you, <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. You can go back to your mother now. See you later, Papa. You certainly will. <laughs> your Honor. Don't forget, Santa Claus. This year I want a football helmet. Don't worry, Tommy. You will get it. Mr. Kringle, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, sir. Your Honor, the state of New York concedes the existence of a Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we demand that Mr. Gailey stop representing and presenting personal opinion as evidence. I insist he submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle here is the one and only Santa Claus. Well, Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of unprejudiced authority? Well, sir, no, not now. I, I need a little time. Why not now? Tomorrow, Your Honor. Very well. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Whew. Oh, brother. <laughs> Come, Susan, dear, finish your supper. But I can't, Mother. All those things they're saying in the newspapers about Mr. Kringle and Mr. Gailey. They're having this trial because he says he's Santa Claus. He's so, he's so kind and, and nice and jolly. He's not like anyone else I know. He must be Santa. You know something? I think perhaps you're right. Is Mr. Kringle sad now, Mother? I'm afraid he must be. Then I'll write him a letter. Maybe that'll make him feel better. I'll cheer him up. Oh, Postman, Postman. Yeah, lady? Would you mind taking this letter? Oh, sure, lady. We're going straight down to the post office now. Okay, Louie, take it away. Well, what do you know, Louie? Another letter for Santa Claus. Hey, here's a new one. Instead of the North Pole, this kid's got it addressed to Chris Kringle, New York County Courthouse. Well, the kid's right. Huh? Oh, yeah, sure. They got him on trial down there. 
He claims he's Santa Claus and the DA claims he's nuts. Hey. Hmm? Hey, I got an idea. Hmm? How many Santa Claus letters we got down there in a the dead letter office? Oh, who knows? Must be 50,000 bags and bags all over the joint. Hey. E. You mean? What, Flaky? Why not? Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of them all? Wouldn't it? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Look, Louie. Soon as we get to the post office, we go and see the supervisor. You know something? I bet we both get promoted. <laughs> And since the defense has been unable to submit one shred of proof that Kris Kringle is the one and only Santa Claus, and since tonight is Christmas Eve, I ask, Your Honor, that this hearing be terminated without further delay. I protest I do have evidence. Five minutes ago, you said you didn't. During Mr. Marrow's oration, the bailiff handed my client the evidence I refer to. What evidence? This letter, Your Honor. Oh, yes, Mr. Kringle. It's from Susan Walker. She believes in me. Oh, this letter means more to me than anything in the world. That letter, Your Honor, was delivered by the United States Post Office, an official agency of the federal government. The Post Office Department was one of the largest business concerns in the world. Last year, did a gross volume of over $1 billion, and Your this year... Your Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified that the Post Office is getting along so well. <laughs> but what bearing has it on the sanity of that man? My point is that the Post Office Department is a model of efficiency. Furthermore, the laws of this country make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. The state of New York is second to none in his admiration of the post office department. We're very happy to concede, Mr. Galis. Uh, for the record, Mr. Mara. For the record. Anything to get on with this case. Thank you. Your Honor, that letter just received by Mr. Kringle is positive proof that a copy... One letter is hardly positive proof. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I, I hesitate to produce them. Come, come, Mr. Gailey, put them here on my desk. But, Your Honor, I, I don't... said put them on my desk. All right, boys, bring them in. Your, your Honor, what, what is this? Empty those mail sacks on Judge Harper's desk. Yeah. Well, you... well, but uh, bring them all in or be fined for contempt of court. Uh, no, no, just a second here. Uh, we'll do it, Your Honor, through rain, through sleet, through courtrooms, anything. We deliver. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Your Honor, every one of those letters and every one of those mail sacks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office is to deliver them. Therefore, the post office department recognizes Chris Kringle to be the one and only Santa Claus. Since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. And for heaven's sake, get this mail out of my courtroom. So as soon as I got out of court, I came straight to Macy's to see you, Doris. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you won. <sighs> well, we're having a big Christmas party at the Brooks' home tomorrow morning. I'd like so much to see you and Susan there. We'll be there, Chris. Oh, Chris, couldn't you, couldn't you come home now and have dinner with us? Now? Tonight? Me? My goodness, Doris, it's, it's Christmas Eve. Alfred, Alfred, look. Look who came all the way out here to the home, just for our Christmas party. Chris, it's, it's Mr. Macy. Mr. Gimble, too. Oh, excuse me, Alfred. Mrs. Walker and Susan have to leave now, and I want to see them before they go. So forgive me, will you? But, Susie, darling, you've got so many presents. Not the one I wanted. Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, what was it? Doesn't matter. 
I knew I wouldn't get him, but I thought he'd at least tell me why. Susie. I'm sorry, Susie. I tried my best, but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus. Susan. Just a nice old man like Mother said. But I was wrong when I told you that. You must believe in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But that doesn't make sense, Mother. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. What? I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. I found that... Hello, Doris. Fred. Mr. Gailey, Mr. Gailey. Merry Christmas, Susie. Gosh, you'll just get here and we're ready to leave. Oh, I've been here. Oh. And if you're ready to leave, I'll drive you home. Before you go, here. Here's a map I've made for you. You'll miss a lot of traffic. About four miles south, you will see Ashley Avenue. Now, that's the street you want. Ashley Avenue. Thanks, Chris. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Fred. And to you, my dear. And to you, Susie. I believe, Mr. Kringle. I do. It's silly, I suppose. But I do. I don't understand it, Fred. The map Chris gave definitely says Ashley Avenue. We've been on Ashley Avenue now for... Stop the car! Oh, stop the car, please! Susie, what is it, darling? What's the matter? There it is! The house! The house! Susie! What in the world? She's running into that house. But at least there's no one home. It's it's brand new. It's it's just been built. Yeah, for sale, it says. For sale. What on earth is that child up to? Susie! Hey, Susie! Here I am! Upstairs! Now, come right down. You know you shouldn't run around in other people's houses. That's strange. I'll say. No, no. I mean this house. I've seen this house somewhere. I know I have. Maybe in a magazine or... Mother! It's our house. It's the one I asked him for, Mr. Kringle. Mr. Kringle? I know it is. Oh, you were right, Mommy. You were right. Susie. Mommy told me that if things didn't turn out just the way you wanted them at first, you've still got to believe, and I kept believing. And you were right, Mommy. Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Now where are you going? In back to see if there's a swing. There is one. Oh, there is one. You told her that? About believing? Well... You told me, Fred. <laughs> a sign outside. For sale, huh? Well, we can't let her down, can we? I never really doubted you. It was just my silly common sense. <laughs> it even makes sense to believe in me now. I must be a pretty good lawyer. I take a little old man and legally prove to the world that he's Santa Claus. Now, you know that couldn't be... Fred! What's the matter? There. In the corner. By the fireplace. Oh, no. No. It, it can't be. It, it couldn't. A cane. Chris's cane. Well, there couldn't be two canes like this anywhere in the world. Silver handle and all. Hey, you know something? Maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all. Before our stars return for their curtain calls, Libby Collins wants to tell you about the wonderful way to decorate your Christmas tree, as we promised at the opening of the show. You can give your tree that fresh-from-the-woods look by covering it with real-looking snow you make yourself. 
from a box of Lux Flakes. So many people have asked for the Lux recipe for Christmas snow that we gave last week. We'll repeat it tonight. Listen carefully. Take a large box of Lux Flakes. Gradually add two cups of lukewarm water and beat with an egg beater until it has the consistency of thick whipped cream. Then, with your fingers, spread the mixture over the branches of your tree. And that's all. This snowy covering dries quickly, it won't melt, and lasts as long as the tree. Ask your dealer for a copy of this Christmas snow recipe. I don't know of any other decoration that costs so little, yet does so much for your tree. It looks lovely used just with tree lights, or you can add your usual ornaments if you prefer. Try it on your mantel decorations and table arrangements, too. It gives them a very professional look. And makes the whole house look more Christmassy. Now, I'll repeat that recipe. Take a large box of Lux Flakes. Gradually add about two cups of lukewarm water and beat with an egg beater. While moist, spread the mixture along the branches. If you want extra glitter, shake on some shiny artificial snow before the mixture dries. Let the children help. They'll love doing it and love the snowy tree. Back now to our producer, William Keeley. Mr. Kringle's reindeer are waiting on the roof. But we've asked him to pause a moment before he leaves and come back to the footlights with Maureen O'Hara and John Payne. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it was a real thrill to everyone in Hollywood when Edmund Gwen topped his entire 53 years as an actor with his great performance as Chris Kringle. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bill. Everyone connected with Miracle on 34th Street... From George Seaton, the author-director, to the prop man, help me. They all believed in Santa Claus. How could we help it? I suppose you've got a strenuous time ahead, Chris. Yeah? Covering the entire world in one night. John, if everyone believed in Santa Claus, peace would break out all over the world in 30 seconds. I hope you won't be too busy to stop at my house. I'll have my stockings hung up. Oh, well, I'll stop in, Marine, but... Seems rather futile. Why, Chris? Well, I couldn't possibly fill her stocking as well as she does. I see what you mean. <laughs> Bill, after that, I think you'd better tell us all about next week's play. Next week, Maureen, a play straight from your native land. It's the 20th Century Fox picture, The Luck of the Irish. And the stars? Well, we have a superb cast. There's Dana Andrews, Anne Baxter, and Cecil Calloway. This is a delightful romance, presided over by a most mysterious leprechaun in the person of Cecil Kellaway. I know you'll all enjoy it. We'll be looking forward to it, Bill. And good night. Good night. Good night. Can I give anybody a lift in my sleigh? <laughs> good night and a merry, merry Christmas. Before we meet again in this theater, the most joyful day in the year will have come and gone. <clears throat> there are, in our time, as in every time, a few foolish men who deride the spirit of Christmas. But in every country and in every time, they are overwhelmed by those who find in it the hope and happiness of the future, by those of us who believe in our hearts that there can be peace on this earth and goodwill among all men. On behalf of Lever Brothers Company and of us in the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish all of you the happiest of holidays.
And we invite you all to join us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Dana Andrews, Anne Baxter, and Cecil Kellaway in The Luck of the Irish. This is William Keeley saying good night and Merry Christmas. Maureen O'Hara appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of The Snake Pit, starring Olivia de Havilland and Mark Stevens. Edmund Gwen appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the all-star Technicolor musical Words and Music, based on the lives and music of Rogers and Hart. John Payne will soon be seen in the Paramount picture El Paso. Be sure to listen next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of The Luck of the Irish, starring Dana Andrews, Ann Baxter, and Cecil Kellaway. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's the Lux Radio Theater from December 20th, 1948, Miracle on 34th Street, with Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne. Those three stars were in the original film, and uh, that was sponsored by Lux Toilet Soap. William Keeley was the host, uh, because at this point in the run, Cecil B. DeMille was no longer the host. Um, there was also a lot of great supporting actors, Joseph Kern. Willard Waterman, who for a time played Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. William Johnstone was in the cast. He played The Shadow for a while. Herb Butterfield, Norman Field, Gil Stratton, um, Sarah Berner. There were so many people in there. I mean, you know, Lux Radio Theater, it was the most extravagant show on radio, right? It was a big, big budget show, and it had an original um, orchestra on there. There was a full orchestra, and uh, just amazing, great directors, great actors. Mostly, they had the original film actors, and so I hope you enjoyed that uh, great, it was a nice Christmas uh, program for you on the Lux Radio Theater. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Lisa, I'll tell you what. I uh, I am so glad you told me about watching the Norman Lear special. I would have missed it. I know. I saw it last time. I knew when that they... we had loved it last year. Oh, my And gosh. so I wanted to make sure you recorded it. And I really liked that they had a chance to talk to Norman Lear before the show started. How old is Norman Lear? He looks like he was like... He's 90-something. But he looks great. He oh sounded gosh. great. So there was a recreation with today's actors of Good Times. Right. Which I believe was set in Chicago. I believe it was like... Yes, set in I the projects here in Chicago. Yes. And uh, he obviously created that series and was the producer. And then they also did All in the Family. Which was just as oh, good as gosh. last year, if not better, because I, I know you're a Woody Harrelson fan, but to me, Marissa Tomei just, she played just was Bunker. just, um, I could not take my eyes off of her. You know, so they did, this is so great. And Jimmy Kimmel is the host. Yes. And so they first did Good Times, and it was about, um, it was very, um, it was was timely because it was about a, um, like a senator or something like that, or was a mayor, I don't remember what it was, but, and uh, it was kind of the old and the new regime, you know, coming in, very cool. Then they did a... um, an episode of All in the Family, and Woody Harrelson, I swear to you, 
He does the mannerisms. Yeah, like and Archie sounds did. So he much did. like Archie Bunker, Carol O'Connor. Yeah. And then Marissa Tomei oh. played the Edith Bunker and character. And there were so many wonderfully awkward oh, moments gosh. that, again, was a sign of the times and, um, and really depicted the feel of All in the Family. Right. Kevin Bacon was a guest yes, on there. Yes, he was. If you didn't see it, folks, you really missed something. I don't know if you can get it on On Demand. You, might, you probably can. I'm, it's on it's YouTube on, it was already. It's on Channel 7, I believe. It was ABC. It was ABC. So it's all over YouTube now and the Check internet. it out. If you haven't seen it, you really, really um, should. And really quickly, last night I watched the I Love Lucy special. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you caught that. It was I did colorized. Not. Yeah, I missed and it. And it was a lot of memories of Lucy when she found out she was pregnant and when she had little Ricky. And um, it was just wonderful. I, I smiled the whole way through. I wow. really enjoyed it enjoyed every moment of of you know Lucille Ball who is you know turned out to be a wonderful radio star as well as TV star. Yeah, I mean she started in kind of B movies and then she did her own radio show and then became a sensation on television. Yeah. All right, well before we uh before we go, I want to remind all of our listeners about 100radioshows.com. It's a great new website. If you go to 100radioshows.com you will see a brand new website that has seven different collections, and in each of those seven collections are 100 radio shows. You get them instantly sent to you via digital download. The links never expire. You will be able to enjoy those shows whenever you want. It is uh, 100 shows in each of these collections for only $29.99 each. So you get 100 shows, 50 hours of material for only $29.99. You can get Christmas shows, you can get comedy shows, drama, detective, mystery, westerns, and, uh, and oh, greatest shows. Greatest shows. And a greatest shows, that's right. right. So just go to 100radioshows.com. That's 100radioshows.com. And don't forget, join the Classic Radio Club. That's our club at ClassicRadioClub.com. Hundreds and hundreds of your fellow listeners are part of the club. You should be, too. All right. I will be here, folks, this Christmas on Wednesday, Christmas night, 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. I will bring you three classic radio Christmas shows. Philco Radio Time with Bing Crosby. The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley, and a very heartwarming episode of Dragnet. Three Christmas episodes this Wednesday. My co-host will be my crabby brother, Vince. And I was going to say, I'm so sorry not to be here with you, but I will be in spirit from Florida with yeah. you. <laughs> she will be in the warm weather. But, um, uh, one week off, We and had some I will great weather, though. We can't complain about the no, weather here not in at Chicago. All. But so, I'll, I'll take the week off, but I will be back next week, so don't miss me. <laughs> yep. And next week, well, you won't be back next week, because next I'll week... I'll be off for one week. Yeah. Next Saturday, I have a special guest co-host. Not going to tell you who he or she is. Make sure you tune in. But don't forget, Wednesday, Christmas night, 8 p.m. till 11 p.m., I will be here playing three Christmas programs for you. And thanks for listening, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. See you Wednesday night. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening.